Today on the podcast, we're having a conversation about confidence, and my guest is my good friend, Erica, the queen of confidence, Kramer. Erica told me that confidence isn't just something that we're born with, rather it's just like any other emotion that we can choose. So today I'm giving her a call to explore how to do just that. Joining me on the phone is Erica Kramer, known to many as the Queen of Confidence. She's an international confidence coach and popular five-star podcast host, which has just reached a million downloads. It's incredible. Often called the Cardi B of the personal development world, Erica is a full-flavored, spicy international speaker with a large dose of heart and humor. After surviving many traumatic experiences in her life from childhood sexual abuse, being in and out of the foster care system, car accidents, and a whole lot of loss, Erica is this beaming and beautiful example of how you can heal your personal story to transform trauma into triumph. Erica, welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. Shane, I am so happy to be here with you. We were talking just yesterday about this kind of chance meeting, chance encounter through Clubhouse when Clubhouse was like at its peak before it was like slowly decaying and dying. And we were laughing yesterday. We haven't been in it for a long time. We crossed paths in this random Clubhouse room, this audio hangouts room. And like almost immediately I knew uh, you were the kind of person that I want in my life because you are just such a great human being. You are the best. And how could I not love you when you have the horn sounds and you drop so many gems, which I'm sure you're amazing listeners. That's why you guys are here, right? Because Shane drops the gems and I just loved everything about you. I still do. Massive, massive fan. Thank you, Clubhouse. <laughs> I know it's so fun. Hey, before we jump into the conversation, um, I want to ask you three fast facts that I ask everybody, which is where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do now? So I was born in a town called Framingham, Massachusetts. Uh, USA. And my first job, I had two because I, <laughs> I achiever, I was working at Burger King and a place called Frugal Fannies. And it's not that kind of place. Uh, it's actually a warehouse for women's clothing. Right. Can you say that again? What was it called? Frugal Fannies. <laughs> okay. All right. Which I found out that in Australia, fanny means something else. It doesn't mean that in America. <laughs> so it's interesting. But yeah, that was my, my first two jobs that I worked when I was 14 years old. And what do I do now? I'm a confidence coach for mindset and business, helping women to reclaim their confidence and stand in their power. And I love your work. You do such um, incredible work in this space. And we're going to unpack a little bit more of what that looks like for you. I mean, help us kind of close the gap a little bit from frugal fannies to <laughs> queen of confidence, which we're going to explore that term a little bit more a little bit later, but kind of close the gap for us in your story. What led you to kind of do what you do now? Well, in a nutshell, as a 14-year-old working two jobs, you can imagine I was already an independent kid. I had a really traumatic upbringing with a mother who suffered from bipolar. I grew up in and out of foster care, sexual abuse, physical abuse, lots of trauma. And when I was 17, I joined the military. That was a whole nother story. And I ended up just going through a lot of, of anger, a lot of pain in my childhood 
I married my high school sweetheart. He passed away. And I just was like, I'm done. I can't take any more trauma. So I moved to Australia, was a stylist, uh, had been a hairdresser in America, and then became a um, fashion stylist. So was always in the confidence space, right? Helping with the hair, now physically how they're dressed. And then I woke up one morning and was like, I can't do the clothing and the cotton anymore. I feel like women need to address the inner confidence, the mindset, the way they think and feel. And I had went through this massive journey of working on myself and healing a lot of my past and said, I'm going to be become a life coach who specializes in the confidence portion. And so it brought me kind of through this full circle of experiencing what I experienced, working through it, having some tools, getting training and amazing mentors to then going now, you know, eight years after that and helping women uh, where I do now. It's incredible. The story that led you to do what you're doing today is one that if you were to look back at and each given moment, you probably wouldn't think that it's weaving together this narrative of building confidence. But looking back, you can see how your entire journey has led you to be doing what you're doing today. Do you ever find that you kind of look back at these experiences and now with the gift of hindsight, you see it coming together to do what you do today? Yes. I actually had a moment in New Zealand in a shower. I was on the floor sobbing. This is the stuff that women do, Shane. (laughs) (laughs) Just crying in New Zealand with gratitude and literally thanking every single hardship that I'd ever had. And I got to see almost like a timeline of, oh my gosh, it like all came back to me in that shower in that moment. Cause I was so, I was so in love. I was so kind of feeling gratitude and happiness and joy and all of that came, which is a random thing when you're feeling happiness, gratitude, and joy for you to think about all the horrible things that have happened to you. But I looked at it with this different light. It was really beautiful. And I was got to see that I would not be who I am and where I am and what I'm doing uh, and the way that I do it if it wasn't for all of those, you know, air quotes, bad times. I, I love the bad times because of that. So a million percent. Mm. I mean, when you think about confidence, I mean, you hear that word and immediately the picture that comes to mind is the person who is this big, charismatic, extroverted, bold, audacious kind of person. And I sit on the other side of that and I think to myself, I'm a bit more of a shy, introverted, quiet, reflective person. And I want to explore what it's like on the other side uh, for someone who's completely (laughs) different to that. But I mean, When you think about confidence and when people think about confidence, what do most people think confidence is all about? It's literally what you just said. You know, I I work with women. I serve women. And in my book, I say, you know, you think it's a woman with red lipstick and cheetah print high heels and (laughs) she's the life of the party and she's beautiful and she's got long legs. I don't know. Like it is not that. It's literally what you said. You know, I, I feel like I feel like we have this misconstrued vision of what confidence is and therefore it kind of doesn't serve us because we don't identify as that when it is something that every single one of us can identify with if we, if we choose to, you know? Mm, See, that's fascinating to me because there would be people who listen to this and they go, I just feel like I'm lacking confidence right now. And maybe they look at that person who they might picture as the most confident person. It's that person with the red lipsticks, the cheetah print. And they're like, if only I could be a little bit more like that as if that person has it all together, that that person is, you know, not self, there's no sense of self-doubt or insecurity in that person at all. And, you know, I think when I have conversations with you and I interact with you, I would see you as that, you know, extremely confident person. So my assumption in that mindset would be, you don't have insecurities, you don't have self-doubts, you don't have all this stuff going in the back of your mind. Is that true for you? No way. <laughs> I think about doing a TED talk and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sweating. Like it's the pressure. Um, a lot of the work that I do is with like thoughts and feelings and, and 
the things that we think. And if you think about confidence, to me, it's not even to me, it's an emotion. Confidence is an emotion like happiness, joy, anxiety, sadness. Confidence in itself is not a final destination or a, or a label or sticker that you have or don't have, or you got stamped with it at birth or not. It's an emotion. And so in the work that I do, it's like, well, how do we feel emotions? Well, it depends what we're thinking. So when I classify myself as I'm so bubbly and confident, and obviously I've got experience, right? So when you have experience in something, that whole confidence, competence situation comes in. But with this, it's like the simplified idea that confidence is an emotion and it's going to depend on the thoughts that you think. And if you think I'm crap at this or I'll never be good or I'm not as pretty or I'm not, I, I'm so shy. What value do I have to, to provide on this podcast? Those thoughts are instantly going to make me feel a lack of confidence. They're going to make me feel inadequate. They're going to make me feel um, withdrawn. So when I show up, my action is that kind of action. My result is that result. And it proves back, see, I told you I am not good. And it feeds that thought result situation. So I think you have to really look at the thoughts that you're thinking if you're wanting to create confidence, because it's going to be a feeling that you have. You touched on this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know, we talk about in, in a kind of therapeutic relationship, which is that, you know, well, this is what it's going to be like. And because you think it's going to be like that, you show up in a particular <laughs> way and it kind of reaffirms that. I mean, there was some research done in, in the area of public speaking and it was around like are introverts or extroverts better public speakers. Mm. And they were saying, well, there's not really about an, like, are they better or are they worse? But extroverts tend to judge themselves more harshly. They tend to have an inner story about the fact that they're not as good as public speaking. And so what do they do? They show up on stage feeling less confident, you know, um, less engaged in the moment and more in their head. And, and as yeah. a result of that, they don't do as good of a job. And so then again, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where they're like, see, I told you I'm not very good at this. Mm -hmm. And then they retreat a little bit more. Um, and I love the distinction about seeing confidence, not just as something that we're stamped with from birth. And then it's actually kind of, and just another one of the emotions that we can kind of tap into through the inner stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. I mean, as you reflect on your journey, was there a moment where you felt like you didn't get this right? Like where it's like, can you, can you almost pinpoint a moment where you're like, I, I didn't have it there and then something changed and then I, I now I do it differently because of that? Yeah, I will, I'm like, all the moments, Shane. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think when I started learning about my thoughts and about my brain and about what my brain does and how it thinks things and how it makes me feel a way, I think that was literally the game changer. And I love... Mm. You know, I'm very like right brain and, and visual, but I love me some stats and I love me some understanding of the, the brain knowledge so that I, I know that I'm not crazy. I think sometimes when you know why you do what you do, you're like, oh, <laughs> right. You're like, OK, I'm not, I'm yeah. not nothing's wrong with me. I'm just a normal human. Right. It's normalizing um, <laughs> the experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love doing that with our groups. It's like, all right, listen, there's nothing wrong with us. This is our brain. But it really got me to be able to understand I don't want to say the juvenileness, but it was so immature how I was thinking about myself and I was wanting to be over there, but I'm here. And it's like, honey, you're here. You know, can you be here? Can you learn like a child with curiosity? Can you understand that you don't get that right now? And that's okay. But you know that you don't get it, that competent, uh, what's it called that? Conscious incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. I mixed that one up, but it's like, you're <laughs> aware that you're not aware, you know, it's like, oh, I know that I don't know how to do this. And so I feel like there were moments of me not knowing and then me knowing that I don't know. And that really helped me to go, cool, this is normal. I'm just moving through the the motions as a human being, trying to understand how to be better at this, how to, you know, not be scared to speak publicly. 
how to let go of what people think about me and always worried about how I look to other people. And so it was kind of a, a, a series of this and a series of mentors teaching me and me wanting to be, a, I love being a student. Like I love learning. I love sitting there and asking questions. And so I think if we're all open to learning what we don't know and becoming aware of what we don't know, then we're going to be able to take the lessons, take the learning as really great feedback as opposed to criticism. And then we're going to be able to take that feedback and move it into aligned action so that we can create what it is that we're trying to create for ourselves. And in my case, I didn't uh, identify as a confident person. I was a really, I had a massive lack of confidence my whole life. And so I don't think it was one moment, but there have definitely been moments that have popped up for me, especially recently, where I've had to, I was challenged with, oh, this is not going to plan. Oh, this sucks right now. And I'm supposed to be, air quotes, the queen of confidence. Shoot, what are you going to do right now? <laughs> and I've had to just be real, vulnerable, honest, and in the moment, be really aware that I didn't know what to do and, and shift quickly and have confidence that I could shift quickly and that that was the best case to do and then get the amazing results. So yeah, it, it's been a whole thing, a whole series of things. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And understanding that that internal stories is such a big part in this. And one of the things I love in what I'm hearing is that number one, confidence is not something that you necessarily just are born with. Like you don't just come out and be like, I'm super confident now. You have to actually develop it. Like all the other emotions, know how to step into that space where you you are feeling more confident because of the stories you're telling yourself. And then the second thing is that it doesn't mean you have it all the time. It's not like you attain confidence. It's like I've unlocked this confidence level now. From <laughs> now on, I'm no longer insecure. I no longer care what other people think about me. I am now pure 100% confidence. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I always say like you can't go on Amazon.com and buy five confidence to your cart, <laughs> put it on the wall and you're like, there it is. I'm confident. Like it's like if you pray or you meditate or you do yoga, you never achieve. Like I've prayed. I'm done. I'm done. Like I've, 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 it's like, no, you're always going to pray. You're always going to meditate. You're always going to be in the practice. And I look at confidence as a practice. So it's like you commit to the practice of it. You know, you're continuously in it. And I have committed my whole life and every confident person that we know, they are in a practice. They don't stop. And that's why they can grow it, get better at it, you know, get, get the nuances of things. And those of us that fell down once and we stopped riding our bike, and it's like, cool. So you got, you cut your knee and you never got back on. No wonder you're 42 and you can't ride a bike. Like you're wearing training wheels still. It's like, what would it look like if you just kept showing up, falling down, getting back up, showing up, falling down. And then you do it so quickly that no one sees you fall. You don't even notice you fell. You're back on that seat. And so that's what I think confidence is to me. Like, it's like a practice that we got to commit to second to second sometimes in the day, you know? Yeah. I love that so much. Cause when we stop seeing confidence as an outcome, and confidence as a practice, then we stop trying to attain it. Then we start actually outworking it. We start living it, right? Yes. You live it. You, you, you work with it. it you become, you're committed to, to practicing. You're committed to getting better. And then it never ends. So there's no destination. There's no like, I've reached it. I'm done. I finished. You know, you don't go, I went to the gym and I got, uh, here's my bicep. I'm done. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, you have to keep going. And it's not enough space of like, it's never enough. Not that. It's in a space of there is no end. There's no place to get to. There's no competition. There's no better than. There's no less than. This is the whole journey of it in itself is awesome because you grow and, and achieve. And then maybe you're you're good there, but now something else happens and you're like, whoa, I've never done that. And you're like a newborn baby in that space. And that's the human evolution. That's the growth. Mm. I mean, you, you talked about this before. It's like, okay, I'm I'm done with this sense of people pleasing. I'm I'm moving beyond that. And 
we've talked about it before. We hear that everywhere. It's like, stop caring what other people think about you and, you know, just focus on yourself and build your confidence. And we could talk about that all day when, when we're talking about the area of confidence, but still people are stuck in that place, like yeah. still stuck caring what other people think about them, still stuck choosing fear or insecurity or self-doubt over choosing the stories that are helpful and serve us better. Like, why do we keep hitting that wall? Why do we not push through that place? Yeah, I, I really feel like we've called it all this cute stuff, Shane, you know, like mm. <laughs> imposter syndrome. And then it's like, you know, all these names, like, and women, they, we, I, you guys kill me, women, we kill me. It's like, <laughs> I'm not good enough. It's just because I'm not good enough. And I'm like, no, that's boring. Can we say something else? Like, let's, let's dig a little deeper now in 2021, shall we? You know, we, we really have a space and a time where we can now start to unpack what that means instead of using hype words. And instead of just going, oh, I just care what people think. It's like, like almost like we're doomed in that sense. And I really don't like when I hear amazing leaders on stage go, let me tell you why our 200 million year old brain and the tigers and the bears. And I'm like, oh my God, don't tell me the story about the tigers and the dinosaurs <laughs> one more time. Like we get it. It's almost as if that's a matter of fact. And so I go, mm. great. Maybe you have now the awareness that you have a reptile survival brain. Maybe you have the awareness that you care what people think. Maybe you have the awareness of that now, but now what are we going to do with it? You know, and we have we have moves that we can make and choices from here on in. It's not like we're doomed as humans because of our brain. You know, every single one of us can upgrade our software. So it's like we've got the old school iOS 4, you know, and it's like, all right, we need to upgrade this. It's like, what can you do? You've identified there's a lack. You've identified there's an area where maybe you're not doing what you want because you care a lot about what your mom has to say about it or what your wife has to say about it or whatever that is. Cool. You've identified something. Now, what is the action plan? What are you going to do with that? And we, I think that's where we now have some choices as we can't just say, oh, it's just because I'm not good enough. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, what is it that you can do now? Like the things that you do, Shane, the work that you do, the work that I'm doing, and many of the people that you've interviewed on this amazing podcast, there are tools, there are resources, there is a path that you can start to walk down where you're going to have to let go of that story. You know, you're going to have mm -hmm. to start going, it's keeping me safe because I kind of surface level want to say that, but I don't really want to dig a little deeper. And if we're willing to dig a little deeper, then we can let go of that and we can start to get the result of what we actually want instead of using the hype words like, I'm just not good enough. It's like, mm. we got to really unravel more of that. And we have an opportunity to do that now. So we don't keep handing it over to the next generation and, and <laughs> passing that down. Yeah. I mean, the buzzwords are killer because we, we, we hold on to it like a, a diagnosis. It's like, okay, yeah. I, I have this diagnosis. I'm, I'm an, imp I have imposter syndrome and we're like, great. And now we just live with it rather than actually going, I can deal with this. And I, if I just dig a little bit below the surface, you know, when I was doing counseling, we often talked about the presenting problem and the real challenge. It's like what we yeah. present with is the surface, but like what sits below the surface of that and if we deal with that, then maybe all these symptoms and things we're dealing with, we can actually resolve and move on from. Um, but I like your metaphor of the software upgrade, right? So do you think there's an element of things that, I mean, old ways of thinking, that old kind of brain, whatever we want to call it, there's a way that we can kind of starve that and feed something that's more helpful for us? And do you think that at times that we're feeding this old way of thinking and if we are feeding it, what are we feeding it with? Like what feeds a lack of confidence? Oh my gosh, you're just the best. I'm like nodding my head over here. Yes, <laughs> yes, all of it. 
I, I, I definitely think, you know, there's that saying of the white wolf and the black wolf and whatever you feed, you know, if you focus on your fear that expands, if you focus on what you, your possibility that expands. So I think, I think that one of the things I, I can speak to, I guess, with women and the work that I do with women is one of the biggest things is what we think about, what, who we hang out with, what we watch on television, who we follow on social media, you know, what are we looking up to? And it's so funny because, and I don't, I wish I had Brene Brown's research team so that I could actually say, Shay and I have <laughs> research <laughs> and I'm like, come on research team. I'm like, I need one. So I'm really interested in the concept of I'm not good enough because I believe, and I did a whole podcast on this and, and it, people started going, oh, hey, that's true. I'm not good enough. And I go compared to who? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not good enough <laughs> is directly correlated to comparison. Because when you say I'm not good enough, there's someone in our heads, you know, that we say they. I'm like, who's they? Is that your mom? Is it your best friend? Is it Nancy at work? Sorry if your name is Nancy, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. so I think if we can find, you know, instead of just being like generalizing things, looking at where are we, are we comparing ourselves to people? Is it who we're following on social media? Have we picked up the values of our family and our family, you know, I have this thing that I talk about your home, like we all got given a home, which is like your mind, like we were born into a home. And let's pretend in your home, your family picked the furniture, they picked the neighborhood, they picked the house, they picked the wallpaper, they put wallpaper in your house and you start growing up and you're like, actually, I'm 35 and I don't know if I want to live in this neighborhood. I don't know if I agree with what's on the wallpaper. Um, you might keep a few things that you got inherited from your home, a.k.a. your mind. But a lot of it, you might be like, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's my, that's the beliefs of my culture or whatever. And you start to unravel the things that don't serve you. So I think that you have to pay attention to who you're hanging out with, what you're following, what are your values mm. versus the values of maybe the company you work for or your best friend who's really loud and really confident. Maybe you took some of her values on and you don't actually know what you believe or think about that specific topic. And so I think it's us getting real with ourselves and sitting with what are we paying attention to? Who are we giving our time to? What are we doing? Are we following the things that we want to follow? Are we doing what we air quotes were supposed to do? Um, buying a home, going to college, getting married, having kids. It's like, maybe that's not for you. But you think that if you don't fit into that norm, you know, and so I think we really can have an opportunity to start looking at our lives and, and checking what's not serving us. And, and how do we feel when we're with certain people? How do we feel when we follow certain people on Instagram or or LinkedIn or, you know, how are you feeling? Because I think that that is a really great tool to use on if that is good for you or if that's not good for you or if that feels nice. Yeah. I mean, that whole naming the person rather mm. than leaving it generic is very confronting because we'll mm. often use that same exercise if someone um, is saying, you know, everybody's talking about this. Yeah. And I'll ask the question, like, who? Like, tell me who is talking about this. I, I was that. like, well, just, it's such and such. I'm like, and who else? And they're like, uh, like, it's really hard to name that, right? Because it forces you to confront um, something that's more specific and less generic. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love this concept. So we, we're talking about confidence is just like any other emotion, we can, we can, um, we can experience it and we can practice it. We don't just necessarily have it, which means that we need to be able to choose the stories that help bring us into that space of confidence rather than choosing the stories, which keep us feeling small or insecure. But at the same time, we can also either fuel it, those stories through the environment and the people we're around, or we can actually make sure we're putting ourselves in an environment that actually helps us create more helpful and powerful stories. Is that kind of the journey that we've gone on so far? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think knowing, you know, you said 
paying attention to the stories. I think we have to become aware that there are stories. You know, there's a story why you don't have what you want. There's a story of why you have what you want. There's a story of why your bank account is or your body or your relationship. Those are consider they're all stories. And so do you even know what those stories are right now? Those of you that are listening to this, do you understand what you're telling yourself about that? Why you haven't gone for that pay rise? You know, why you're still in that relationship, whatever that is. It's like, first, we need to become aware that we have them and then understand what they are. And then I think from that space, we can then start making different choices uh, and hiring mentors, people to help us up leveling our mind, like upgrading the software with podcasts like yours, listening to audiobooks, going to events, getting a mentor. All of that stuff is helping us to upgrade our software and, and being able to make some new some new choices. I love that. And obviously your whole expertise and experience is, I guess, mentoring and coaching women. But these concepts you're talking about, like for me as a man, they're resonating deeply. And I know for everyone who's listening, it's going to resonate. These concepts and these principles are the same. We we all have to make these choices to put ourselves in environments that fuel good stories mm-hmm. rather than dysfunctional stories. And actually right at the very core of it, we build solid beliefs so that we're not shaping our entire choices around other people's stories, right? Other people's stories influence ours. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's so funny. I had um one of these amazing women that I listened to, Abraham Hicks, she was saying, you know, a, a belief is just a thought you think a lot. And it's like, oh, <laughs> wow. It's like, that's a belief. And I think we feel like beliefs are so ingrained. And it's like, actually, it's just a thought that continuously pops into my head. Who knows how many times a day? Who knows for how many years? Who knows if that was your grandmother's thought? <laughs> or your great grandmother's <laughs> thought that got handed down and you're like, oh, wow. Like there is no original thought when I, when you say I'm not good enough or I lack confidence or I'll never be confident. I'm not a good speaker. I mean, how long is I'm not a good speaker, Shane? You would know <laughs> how long has that been around for, you know? So I definitely think paying attention to that, you know, it, it's the stories that you're telling yourself and where they even came from is, is so impactful and so important. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the stories of the people that we look to. And how I'm a mother, I have two kids, I have two boys. And so not only does my personal confidence affect me, but it also affects how I show up, how I mother, you know, I'm a leader, I have a team of four women. So how do I show up to my women that I serve, my clients, but also my staff, when I'm not lacking confidence, or when I don't look after myself, then that comes trickles down into what I say, how I treat them, how I treat my husband, how I show up in the world. So these, these stories and, and our stories are important, not just for ourselves, but how we affect the world and all of us co-create together. Mm. I, I think you touched on something there, which is probably the other, one of the facets of confidence, which I think is so important is that the, the confidence you have about yourself and in yourself really impacts those people around you. Um, mm. it, it treats, it affects how you treat people, how you lead people. Like I remember a couple of years ago, not even that long ago, maybe 18 months ago, right in the middle of, of lockdown, thinking to myself, like, I need to do more stuff and put my face out there more on camera and, you know, put my podcast out there and, you know, show up and put my face on things rather than my words. Everything was words. I was like, I need to put my face more, but it was terrifying to me. And, and it stopped me from doing stuff that was helpful and valuable for people and create that really meaningful connection and community with people because they didn't, they didn't know the face behind the words. It was always just the words. And confidence got in the way of my own success. And then it also influenced the way I show up in environments. And so missed the opportunity to build connection and community. And you are, uh, you're not just the queen of confidence, you're the queen of community. Like you do this incredibly well on your your social media platforms to, to build this sense of really honest community where you show 
like the entirety of your life. How, how did you get to that place where you went, I feel like I can show more of me rather than just kind of showing up and showing part of you? Yeah, I, I, ha- I have a photo of the moment that I was like, all right, let's be real. This is um, <laughs> as of a photo of it. I was, yeah, it was, it was a moment where I thought I'm not going to, it was when I was going to change to being a stylist. And I remember being very, can you ever imagine me being politically correct, Shane? I was, I was being politically correct and proper and try not to rock the boat too much. I was being very vanilla is what we call the term, you know, just one size fits all everybody, keep everybody happy. And I had done this catwalk for this plus size fashion show. And my husband wrote an article like a blog and he put something pretty controversial in there and he put my name in there. And I'm like, you can't say that. Like people are going to think that I think this. And I just said, people are going to think. And I'm like, whoa, I could like hear myself almost like I watched myself say that. And it was like, like a moment of like screeching tires, like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, that's not okay. You need to work on that. And so from that moment, I said to him, you know what, I'm going to do what I do. There's going to be people who agree, people who disagree. I'm not going to be scared to speak my voice. And I thought the only way out is through, I have to really share where I'm at and how I feel and let my audience know. And I did a, it was back when Facebook live was a thing and I was much more active on Facebook. I'm like, what is What's Facebook? Facebook? I know. I'm like, do you remember that old, old platform, everyone? Um, it's literally just an ads platform now. But anyway, um, I went on Facebook and I said to my community, like, hey, I don't want to do styling anymore. I don't want to be a stylist. I want to help women with confidence. I want to do mindset. I want to do thoughts. I want to do that, you know? And so I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, you're going to see all of this brand new stuff from me. And I'm going to let go of the cotton and the fabric and the linen and the stripes and all that stuff because I'm not interested in it. And I've been holding up this facade that that's what confidence is. And it's not your external image. It's beyond that. And I want to talk about the mm. deeper stuff. It was a bit scary because women weren't going to confidence masterclasses back then. It was a little bit like to personal development, Tony Robbins vibes. And I did it. And I was like, okay, this is it. I need to put down the facade. And that was the moment where I said, I'm going to share everything I can. And obviously I'm very uh, open and I, I don't mind sharing my story because I know that it's not my story. It's our story. And there are other people just like me, women or men that will see themselves in my life. And I believe that we got given the stories we got given to share them. That's my own personal belief. And so that was the minute that I said, I'm going to share it. I'm going to talk about motherhood and how horrible and difficult it is, but how amazing it is as well. And I really think that in that second, I got women's eyes kind of opened up because it was a place where everyone was trying to get it right and be perfect. Um, And I'm sure that now you probably see more on social media, people keeping it real, sharing their cellulite, whatever, you know, doing Mm -hmm. the normal stuff and and sharing. And I think that's resonating much more than the perfection. And there's a quote that I, that I love that, that I say that's like perfection erodes connection. And so the more perfect you pretend to be, the more put together and, and, and organized and, oh my gosh, everything's perfect. The, The less connected I feel to you, the less I feel like you get me and you're like me. And so it really erodes connection. And I think the vulnerability is what builds the community and connection. So I commit to being as vulnerable as it can be. And I share everything. I know a lot of people don't feel comfortable with as much as I share, but I've just let myself share. And it's really landed with my community and people are so incredible and they they reach out and it's built this, I want to say cult-like following, but it's definitely got these women and, and even men will listen now and, and get their partners on board. And it's really beautiful. So I say that I get metaphorically naked on the internet. That's what I say. I'm not really getting <laughs> naked. But if I strip down and I show you everything, then you feel comfortable or you go, oh, no, too much for me. But, you know, the ability to know, like, and trust you is there. It's like, 
okay, mm-hmm. Erica, I see you. Thank you. And now I feel like I'm seen, heard, and validated, or like you're not my flavor. But either way, they get a really strong choice that they can make. And I met them there first, if that makes sense. Mm, I, I've, I've been thinking, and this is me thinking out loud, and so may yeah. not come out perfectly, which is this idea that the more curated and perfect you show up as, mm-hmm. probably the less confident you are, yes. right? Because you yes. are you're kind of putting on the facade and usually like you want to show up and be more perfect because you you probably lack in the confidence, but the more authentically you show up, chances are it's a reflection more of the personal confidence that you've built, right? So it's literally like I have a quote and I'm just like mind blown because I love you. And I'm like, we're connected on this. So it's like <laughs> the more confident you try and look, the less confident you are, you know? And it's, mm. it's literally a quote from a podcast thing that I'm doing about the image. And I think we, we talk so much about, I I'm sick of also hearing people talk about influencers and Instagram. It's like, leave them alone. The selfies and the poor Kardashians, you know, and I say poor Kardashians, not because they're poor (laughs) financially, they are smart and they are loaded, (laughs) but like they get so much flack for looking beautiful and doing 50 million selfies. But I, as a coach and as a woman who does the work I do, I see a call for love. I see a call for love. I say, love me. Do you think I'm okay? Am I enough? What about now? What about now? It's the kids that go, daddy, daddy, watch me, watch me, daddy, daddy, look at me. Did you see me? And I'm like, wow, that poor child, they, they are lacking the, the attention that they needed. They're lacking the validation. And so they look for it in all the ways, but then we see it and we go, oh, she's up herself or, oh, they're so conceited or they're so into themselves. And I'm like, no, a woman who knows she's beautiful and incredible and amazing does not need to post 57 selfies same photo in different angles with 14 filters on it. Like you don't, when you know you're beautiful or you know, you've got it going on, you, you usually say less. So I think we have it twisted as a society that, you know, these people are so confident and they're so amazing. I think they, like you said, the more confident you pretend to look, the less confident you probably really are. Mm, I mean, I think about that within the context of say an environment like LinkedIn and LinkedIn, I will often describe to people as like lots of people giving themselves a high five in public, which is <laughs> like, it's the most, yeah. it is kind of an awkward environment. Like I, I hang out on LinkedIn. That's where I hang out. It's just kind of, it's the space that I play in, but you know, in many ways you look at, and it could be so deceptive because you can look at these perfectly curated ideas. They've, you know, they've, you know, saved the world. They've gone to the moon twice. They've been done this, you know, you go to conferences and the person's introducing themselves to speak and they're like, you know, you know, I, you know, sailed solo around the world and I, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like if only I could be more like, and, and, and again, it comes back to this idea of going, how do I just show up more authentically as me? Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to ask the question because um, I've re- referred to it a couple of times. You go by this kind of title as the queen of confidence, right? <laughs> and now some people might hear that and they might think that's really cool. Other people might hear that and go, okay, that's a bit, bit of an audacious claim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had that moment where you thought to yourself, who am I to call myself the queen of confidence? Um, yeah, like <laughs> literally my whole time, my whole existence. And it's hilarious. Um, when I was styling, the initial styling company was called Seven Seconds because it takes seven seconds for someone to judge you. In the first seven seconds, you get judged physically, your appearance. People make 11 major decisions about you in the first seven seconds of meeting you, which is crazy. So uh, that's what it was called. And I'm like, that's not sexy uh, at all. And then we changed the name to the Queen of Curves because I was styling curvy women. I niched into curvy women, um, size 14 plus in Australia for styling. And then I realized that when I named myself that the the women who didn't identify as curvy, women who maybe were thinner or they didn't think they were curvy, said to me, oh, can I come to your events? And they were 
kind of pushed away. And I'm like, oh, no, this is about inclusivity. So I was literally one day in the shower, as you do, the shower wisdom comes. And I'm like, what do women want? They want confidence. I'm just going to call it the queen of confidence. It was a lazy move, but also I trust in the whole thing. I trust that it chose itself as well. And so I went, yeah, the queen of confidence. And it wasn't until maybe a year ago, like recently, a year ago, where I said to my husband, I don't know about the queen. I don't want to be like the queen and people like doing queen. I'm from America, so I don't resonate with the queen at all or any of that. You know, I can't be doing the queen wave. And I don't like tiaras, Shane. Like I freaking hate tiaras. I'm not into it at all. I'm like, what am I doing with this queen of confidence thing? And Hamish and I, my husband and I do an exercise called creating your alter shego. And it's like your, your inner alter shego, like your alter ego self, like the thing that sports people do, you know, they wear certain socks or they play a song or they have this thing. And so we have this process we do with our women. And I'm like, the queen of confidence is my alter shego. Like she's who I aspire to be. She reminds me that, you know, she's royalty. She's awesome. She's the most amazing thing. And, and she respects herself and loves herself so much. And she walks around like the Beyonce Sasha Fierce. I don't know if you've ever seen Beyonce's yeah, alter That was ego. the thing that came to my mind when, it yeah. came, when you said that alter kind yep. of ego. It's that, it's that person that I aspire to be like. Yeah. Well, you might like this and the men listening or any superhero lovers might like this. My husband is obsessed with Superman since he was a kid. Um, and so he says that super, um, that Clark Kent is the alter ego. Like Superman is actually who he is and he pretends to be a normal guy like Clark Kent so that he blends in with humans. But who he really is, is Superman. And I think we think, I used to think that Superman was the alter ego and he was really Clark Kent. And I think with Beyonce, Sasha Fierce, you know, I've heard her, I play interviews of hers at our events and she's like, oh, I could never do what Sasha Fierce does. And I'm like, I think that's a cop out, Beyonce. I think you are actually Sasha Fierce, where you're pretending to be this normal, quiet girl from, you know, Houston, Texas and whatever, because she was raised in her church and her dad was probably very strict. But I think she's this fiery mama, you know? And so mm-hmm. I use the queen of confidence as it's who we, we all have a queen of confidence inside of us. We're all queens. We all have this inner, maybe if the word queen doesn't resonate for you, just think about a word that does. We all have this inner awesome woman who's like, well, yeah, I'm awesome and I'm amazing. I remind myself of that. And so I aspire to be her. And so I wear her out more than most women because I know that I inside of me have this inner amazing, incredible person if I let her come out. But what do we do? Most of the time we come out with our amazing and incredible person and then we go, oh, that was too much. I'm too much. I'm too loud. Maybe I did it. And then our amazing, incredible alter shego or alter ego gets offended and goes, you're so mean to me. I'm going back inside. And then they, we shove them back in. And so I try to walk around as her as much as I can. But I have my moments where she's inside and I'm like, oh, I'm so scared to talk, talk on that stage, you know. So <laughs> she's an alter she's an alter ego, alter shego. I, I love that because it, I look at this through the lens of leadership, right? And we go, you know, so many people go, I, I one day aspire to be a great leader. And mm. we're constantly living with the idea of being a great leader somewhere out in the distance, as if we can't be this great leader where we are yeah. right now. And I think there is something powerful about people who go, you know what, I'm I'm in the process of becoming the leader that I want to be but I'm also being the leader that I am right now and, and just taking steps towards that. And you often, you know, we've had this conversation maybe in, in one of the conversations we've had previously around, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm learning and I'm on my way on there my way, and I'm in, yeah. in the process, right? I'm on my way. Yeah. Mm. And this is kind of both the, you know, you might not 
entirely feel like the queen of confidence every day, but you can show up and make that choice, which comes back to the start of the conversation we were having. Yes, yes, a million percent. And I think the more we allow her to come out or him to come out, and the more we allow that that inner alter ego, that altered self, your your highest version of you, let's call it that. When the more you let the highest version of you come out, the more normal it becomes. And the less you question yourself, doubt yourself, uh, speak badly about yourself. But if you never hang out with that part of yourself and you shame it or you put it away and you suppress it, then how can you be your greatest version? How can you be shiny? You know, how can you shine bright like a diamond, right? And so I try as hard as I can to be uncomfortable and stand in, you know, in a, let's call it the spotlight. And and this is to anyone listening. There is a spotlight out there for you to stand in. And it doesn't have to be the biggest and the loudest and the pinkest and the, the biggest stage, but you have a spotlight. Just because you're a human on planet Earth, there is a spotlight there for you. And if you choose to stand on it, it does not take away from another person's spotlight. It does not take away from my spotlight because I have my own designated space and spotlight. It does not take away from Shane's. And so all we do is back to the beginning. If we don't stand in it and if we don't claim our space, then we not only damage our own life experience and we don't get to achieve the things we want, but imagine the people that are going to be impacted by that step that you take to sit on that stage. And that's what I try to think of every day of being the queen of confidence and and rising to the occasion to not only for my my audience, but for myself and the legacy that I want to leave. Yeah, I, I wrote something um, last year on the the idea that humility and confidence don't sit on opposite ends of the spectrum. Cause I think we have this belief that if we're humble, then we don't put ourselves into the spotlight. And I, and I, in my perspective, um, humility is about service. And most people think if I step into the spotlight, then it's arrogance. And I'm like, well, the alternative to stepping in the spotlight is, is being invisible or it's obscurity and no one knows who you are. And by the fact that nobody knows who you are, you can't be in service to anybody. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's that fear of being seen as arrogant or self-promoting by stepping into the spotlight, but leadership is about stepping into the spotlight that in order to be able to serve more mm-hmm. and at a greater capacity. Yes. And those of us that think if I step into the spotlight, I'm, I'm being, uh, what's the word that you said? Um, arrogant, arrogant, or self-promotion yeah, or amazing. self-promoting or anything. Perfect. So here's an exercise for everybody listening. If you, if that pops into your head, who am I to do that? I might look too arrogant or self-promoting check your judgment. Who are you judging? That's currently doing that in your life that you see and you're going, Oh, that person's so arrogant and so self-promoting. So of course, if you judge them, you can never do that yourself because you don't want to do that. So maybe that person is here to teach you something and they're not self-promoting and they're not arrogant. Maybe they're shining the mirror to you as to, hey, honey, this is what you want to do. And instead of criticizing me, why don't you try it yourself? Because I think that that <laughs> I think that when we judge, it only showcases a lack within us that we are not willing to do that. And it's easier to tear someone down. So I know that that's a little bit mean, but just sit with that medicine because every time I do that, I go, ooh, what about that person don't I like? I probably need to take on a little bit of that. And that's why I'm going straight to the judge. And that's just a little little medicine that, that has helped me. And I just see it now and I go, okay, thank you, person who doesn't know that I exist, but I know that you exist and you gave me a lesson. <laughs> this conversation is coming into the time of uh, where we need to close. And I'm, I'm saying that because it's also just got really confronting and I don't know how long I can sit in this conversation. <laughs> I, that thought there is if you are worried about something, check your judgment. If that's not one massive takeaway from this entire podcast, <laughs> then amongst many great things that you said, I mean, as we're kind of like closing the podcast, 
if you could take like 20 to 25 seconds and stand on a soapbox for a moment. And as someone who is maybe two or three steps ahead of where people want to be in building their confidence, like speak directly to a person listening right now who's going, I just, I, I want that. I want a little bit more of that. Stand on the soapbox, give them 20 seconds of your best investment that you can think of right now. All right. So what I would say to you, my darling, is that nobody is confident. It is not a final destination. There is no place to get to. You are not doing it wrong. You are supposed to fall down. You're going to fall hard. You're going to fall publicly. It is not if, it's when. And what you need to do is get your ass back up. Don't worry about the fall. We're all going to fall. Everybody's falling all the time. Get up, get back on it, continue to practice confidence. You will achieve it. You need to walk through the darkness at times where you can't see the end result. But trust that you are moving in the right direction because as long as you're moving, you're moving and it will get better and confidence will come to you. That is what I would say. It's a, amazing and such a great way to bring out the, the close of the podcast. And um, Erica, the queen of confidence, um, tell me, how can people connect with you? Obviously, you've got your own podcast is a great way for people to, to check into. You just hit a million downloads on the podcast, which is so worth celebrating. Congratulations. I know. I can't believe it. It's really exciting. And I'm really grateful um, to, to, to do that. The podcast is probably the best place. I love when people get to feel and hear and try me before they buy me kind of thing, because I have a, <laughs> I, I didn't swear at all this time, I don't think, hey, go me. Uh, I have a specific <laughs> specific way of, of kind of sharing content. And it is confrontational, but always with love and of service. So the, the podcast is probably the greatest place, the Confidence Chronicles podcast. And then I'm on Instagram a lot at the Queen of Confidence, uh, the website, the Queen of Confidence, and I am rarely on LinkedIn. But please, if you're on LinkedIn, hit me up because <laughs> I need a reminder to always get in there and check out Shane's amazing content <laughs> on oh, the book. And, and I'll put, and, and the book yeah. as well. Tell us about the book. Yes. Yeah, so it's called Confidence Feels Like Shit. It's the truth about confidence and what it really takes to create it. It is horrible. It feels horrible, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be committed to creating it. So that is another really great little resource if you like to read and the audiobook should be out soon as well. So yeah. It's amazing. And we'll put all the details in the show notes for every way that people can connect with you. And you do stuff all the time. Like you do masterclasses and you do events and, and there's all different ways that are just so, so great to connect in with you and, and would love people just to reach out and find any possible way that they can to get in your orbit because it's such a good place to be in. And so thank you so much for being on the show. Love every conversation I get to have with you. Shane, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. It is my pleasure. I think you're incredible. And thank you all for listening. You're amazing. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.